and welcome to the Highly Strange Podcast. You are here with Sarah and Lewis. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm going to try and start a bit of a mini-series. Okay. So we're going with cults. Cults. So I think in total I have four cults for you, but they will four. be separated over maybe two, maybe three episodes. Okay. So we're going to start today with some kind of funny cults that I thought were... Oh, just some fun cults. Yeah. Do yeah, these ones result in death? That surrounds cults and <laughs> well, it might be fun. Sometimes there's some fun more, ones. Uh, yeah. The lighter side of cults. Yeah. Do these ones end in death? Some do. Oh, cool. <laughs> Still funny. Yeah, we laugh. So the first one, you actually introduced us in to last week. The Aetherius Society. Yes. So I'm going to go into a bit more detail about them. Oh, I'm and, excited. Uh, that's where we're going to start. We're going to go deeper than my Wikipedia reading. Yes. Just. Cool. Just about. Just about. Cool. That's just as far as we go. Sometimes we dip our toes past Wikipedia. <laughs> Are you ready? Always. An international spiritual organisation which believes Jesus was an extraterrestrial being from the planet Venus is planning a pilgrimage at a holy mountain in Devon. It's always Venus. Do you know what I mean? It's always yeah, Venus. I don't know why. Or Saturn, which would be stupid because it's a gas giant. Yeah. I was just thinking, is Venus like the most plausible one? I guess that's Mars. Really, I think Venus it, is the most like far out hippie one yeah. from back in the day, I guess. What is it? They do say as well, is it women are from women, Venus? Women, yeah, that makes sense then. Mars. So, yeah, maybe that reason. <laughs> the Ethereum Society was founded in the mid-1950s by ex-taxi driver George King, who says a voice told him that he was the earthly representative of an interplanetary parliament. Mr King, who died in 1997, claims to have had an unusual encounter with Master Jesus. <laughs> Master Jesus. At Holdstown Down near Coombe Martin in 1958. I don't know what makes Master Jesus more than... It adds a bit of like a BDSM quality to, um, <laughs> to the Bible. I was just going to say he's levelled up, but yeah, we'll go with... I don't know, maybe he's... I'm now thinking of like the guy that sits behind a laptop screen and just like watches videos of other people playing out their lives. Oh, Master see, Jesus. your mind went to a totally different place. I went to like dominant Jesus. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> the society organises regular pilgrimages to the site of Holdstone Down for what is called Operation Prayer Power. <laughs> what, what, what's involved in Operation Prayer Power? I'll tell you. On their website, the Society say that Operational Prayer Power is a cosmic mission devised by George King in which spiritual power is invoked through prayer and mantra and directed into a specially designed physical container for later release. What, they like catch a, the power of the prayer what, like and a then jar. release it later. Um, whatever container you fancy, I guess. Imagine like one of those sci-fi ones and everything's glowing and you <laughs> open it and it's like... I just think of, like, the people on the internet that sell their farts. Yeah, true. <laughs> but this is a prayer fart. Speaking in a previous documentary, Mr King described the experience of meeting Jesus at the top of Holston Downhill. He said, It was very, very windy at the top of the down. As a matter of fact, it was quite dark by this time. Dimly out the corner of my eye, I saw something in the sky. Then I saw a being which kind of appeared before me. I didn't see him walk up to me. I opened my eyes and he was there. He was very tall. He was dressed in a long robe and he had long brownish hair. There was so much radiance about that man. 
<laughs> I'm sure this wasn't a romantic encounter. <laughs> I knew, although he didn't tell me, I knew that he was Jesus and that he had come from the planet Venus. I didn't have to be told. I just knew No, this. no, you don't, do you? When Dom Jesus floats down, you know. And here's the classic. I think it was some sort of telepathic impression that I picked up. Yep. There was no denying it, and there was no denying his presence. Mr King said Jesus had arrived in a spacecraft and had sent power through himself to Mr King and into the mountaintop at Holdstown Hill. In the documentary, he said that he was told later by interplanetary sources that this mountain was holy. He continued, That's why we use Holdstown Down, because we really truly believe that it is holy. The society continues this tradition to this day, with July's meeting followed by a social event at a nearby venue. I will say to our American listeners, mountain is probably not what you're imagining in your head. Yeah, it's a hill. We we don't really have (laughs) mountains in this country. And to clarify, this is in Devon. Yeah, so it's pretty flat anyway, isn't it, Devon? Uh, No. Oh, no, no, it's quite hilly, hilly, yeah. It's the opposite of what I said. It won't be a mountain, it will be a, a hill, really. According to the Etheria Society, Holdstown Down is one of several holy mountains, with another being located in Devon at Yes Tor near No, Yes, sorry, at Yes Tor near Oakhampton. Other holy mountains across the globe include Castle Peak in the Rocky Mountains near Colorado, Mount Rams Ramshead in New South Wales, Australia, Kilimanjaro in Tanzania and here we go. Lenid Dijon near La Roche in France. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with that's how you pronounce it. According to their website, the society belief covers a very wide spectrum of philosophy, religion, metaphysics and the spiritual sciences, including the following key concepts. So I've got a random question popped into my head. What's the most religious geological place you've been to? Oh, I don't know. Kind of think probably just Stonehenge, which I know like isn't yeah. religion as in like Christianity, but obviously it's like pagan and so probably Stonehenge. Is it wor- bad that the first thing that comes to my head is Cheddar Gorge, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair. exactly what it sounds like. I just a like a valley with loads of shops and all it does is sells cheese. <laughs> I've never been. Have you not been to Cheddar? No. Oh, so, you don't like cheese, do you? I'm not the biggest cheese fan. Yeah, no, that's weird. <laughs> Sorry. I've been to the pyramids though. That's a serious answer, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I was only like little. Yeah, I've never been anywhere, sort of. Apart from yeah, like um, monoliths and things like that. I've never really been anywhere. Like, Just the odd monolith. Properly spiritual. I, I will say, like the pyramids are, are special when you're there. It is ruined by the amount of rubbish oh, that's really? around it, and also people constantly trying to sell you tat. Yeah. You couldn't get a moment just to look at them without someone trying to sell you like a wooden scarab. <laughs> and you'd give them money and they still wouldn't go. <laughs> so, these are the key concepts. Okay. Selfless service to others. Service to others, also known as karma yoga, is the greatest spiritual practice anyone can perform. This is the most important aspect of the Etheria Society's work and teachings. Mm-hmm. Secondly, yoga. Far from just being a way to stay fit and healthy or even a relaxation technique, yoga is in fact a profound and ancient spiritual philosophy with enlightenment and selflessness at its core. Have you ever tried yoga? No. I don't think I'm (laughs) flexible enough. It doesn't seem like it's peaceful. It looks like it would be really uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm not very bendy. I'm not built for it. (laughs) Spiritual energy, prayer and healing. 
Spiritual energy is no less than electricity and operates according to natural laws. It can help to heal, inspire, guide, bless and protect whoever it is directed to. We can all learn to invoke and transmit this light energy, this love energy, to help ourselves. Individuals in need and most importantly, the world as a whole. Dynamic prayer. This oh, is about... That's when you're prayer, praying on the move. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about requesting a favour from a whimsical deity, but about attracting spiritual energy to oneself and directing it into a focal point to bring about positive change. Mantra. The recitation of holy sounds is also a great way to invoke and transmit this mystical power. Spiritual healing works in a similar way and can be learnt by anyone. That's also a way of enforcing cult-like behaviours yes, by getting them to chant back what you tell them yeah. to. We've got the divine within. Oh. The essence of us all and of That's everything Dominic in Jesus. creation <laughs> is divine. A spark of God. <laughs> we all come from the divine source and we will all eventually return to this source. It is known by many names. God, Brahma, Jehovah, etc. And is described differently by different faiths. Never heard that one. Well, etc. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. It is eternal, all-powerful and all-knowing. It exists everywhere and it is everything. In fact, it is even more than that. By correctly navigating our own personal journey for experience, we evolve and become increasingly aware of our divine nature. As a result, we gain greater and greater enlightenment and also greater and greater spiritual powers, which can be used in selfless service to others. Intuition and psychic powers. It is possible for us all to develop our intuition and innate psychic ability through service and yoga self-development techniques. We've got the Mother Earth. The Mother Earth is a living goddess who is sacrificing her own evolution to provide a home for humankind, a backwards and often barbaric race. The Afarius Society works in various ways to help her in this self-appointed task, a task of unimaginable self-sacrifice. They do help Mother Nature by not building new churches and having them in weird like, office buildings on the high street. Yeah, true that. Because I saw that's like you go to like a labour office. Yeah, it's, what it's she the same wanted. sort of thing. It's just like <laughs> next to a, like a W. H. Smith's. Extraterrestrial life. Advanced extraterrestrial civilizations exist on other planets in this solar system. Science, as we know it, has not detected this life because it exists at higher frequencies of vibrations on these planets. In the Afaria society, these beings are sometimes termed cosmic masters or even gods in deference to their high state of spiritual evolution. In great compassion and self-sacrifice, they help humankind on Earth in countless ways. Without them, we would have long since perished. Certain cosmic masters have in the past chosen to be born among us in Earth bodies in order to give teachings and other forms of essential assistance. The Master Jesus, the Lord Buddha, Sri Krishna and... Lao Zi, don't know that's how you say that, sorry if I've said it wrong, were such beings. The Ethereum Society cooperates directly with the cosmic masters in the performance of five cosmic missions, including Operation Prayer Power. Intelligent life also exists beyond the solar system, some worlds being more advanced than our own, some less advanced, some extraterrestrial intelligences being benevolent and others hostile. UFOs. It's like what they said about some aliens being reborn into like our bodies, not exactly the same as Mormonism. Yeah, it's 
because I was like, all I know about, well, I do know about Mormonism, but the way I remember it is from the South Park episodes. Yeah, same. When they're like, dum, 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 And the spirits come out of the volcano and they like go into like bodies and stuff, isn't it? No, that's Scientology. Is that Scientology? Sorry, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to our <laughs> members of the Latter-day Saints. I'm thinking of Scientology. <laughs> Scientology is there was a big freeze in the mountain and then the volcano That's releases like, the spirits that were yeah. frozen over. Oh, I'm very sorry. Um, Mormons is the guy that was visited and then he like writes yeah. down all the things on the tablet. He writes down things. a yeah. book, yeah, that's yeah. not real, but yeah. And then those plates get lost or something, don't they? And then he mysteriously like, discovers, yeah, revisited again, and then knows what to say. Yeah, no, it sounds very similar to Scientology. Yeah, it's not far off. <laughs> So UFOs, some so-called unidentified, unidentified flying objects, have in fact been identified as extraterrestrial spacecraft. Um, we prefer unidentified aerial phenomenon nowadays. Well, they still call them UFOs. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> These have been visiting Earth for millennia. In the Bible, they are described in various ways, including cloud, star and flying scroll. And in the Hindu scripts, there are specific terms for them. Vimana. Vimana? Vimana. Vimana. Oh, for minor. Okay. Karma and reincarnation. Karma is not about punishment, but about learning. Karma is the great cosmic teacher which gives us the lessons we need in order to advance in our journey through spiritual evolution. Between incarnations, we spend a period of time on another plane, also referred to as another realm. This is part of Earth, but exists at a different frequency of vibration. When, after many lives, we have learned all the lessons provided by reincarnation, we are allowed to leave this wheel of rebirth and start a higher experience cycle on another planet as a cosmic master. I want to get off the wheel of rebirth. <laughs> so I guess Jesus was like, Master Jesus must have gone through the wheel of rebirth and become like Cosmic Master Jesus. <laughs> That's an upgrade, <laughs> isn't it? <Well, laughs> you, do you get any higher than Cosmic Master? I don't think so. No. Because no. Cosmic Master to them is God. Yeah. So it's like top tier. <laughs> Some people choose to sacrifice this opportunity to remain on Earth as an ascended master. Due to the wrong thought and action of humankind for millennia, the balance of world karma at present is not good. This prevents more direct intervention from the cosmic masters, such as an open landing in a major city. Much of the Ethereum society work is done specifically in order to improve world karma, especially through the cosmic missions it is instrumental in performing. That is the Ethereum society. I'm so sorry to our American listeners, but this is absolutely wild to me that this is from this country. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm so conditioned to think that that is an, a highly Doesn't American here, yeah. thing. But no, that happened. they meet in... I mean, they obviously have, like... They've got offices in America. Yeah. Yeah, they've So they're not, branches. like, just in the UK. And New Zealand, for some reason. Yeah. Somehow that happens. But, um... But they meet up in Devon on the regular. Yeah, I imagine... I always think of this like a New Age sort of west coast of america sort yeah, yeah. of situation but um i find them really interesting i think it's really fun i just like it's not really hurting anybody no they're not from what i could find as well they don't like ask their members for money and oh, stuff do they either. Not? like oh, well. it is just uh it, it isn't much different to like just going to stonehenge and feeling the energy and connecting with each other over that energy i love I that find. i love that it started from like a taxi driver yeah that's very <laughs> visited Je- by master jesus that's very jesus-ish he was only yeah. a carpenter yeah so 
and what was it George King was a taxi driver yep I imagine that the religion spreads by him like driving his taxi and just absolutely going off at his passengers about he saw Jesus on a hill and eventually you got enough like, passengers that like believed them. Yeah, probably. But you'd also get a lot of passengers that would just politely go, okay. You think, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. You know when they give you like small talk or something, like, oh, did you see the game last night? You think, oh, I can't be bothered with this. Give them a bad Uber rating. Oh, did you hear about Try the cosmic... convert me. <laughs> did you hear about the cosmic master last night? I was like, oh. <laughs> oh I've got my headphones in, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just to town, please. Are you ready for the next cult? Yes. <laughs> We're going to Brazil, so I'm going to apologise in advance if I pronounce any of the places wrong. Your Portuguese isn't any good? Not particularly. Okay. So, an hour outside Brazil's futuristic capital, Brasilia, lies one of the country's spiritual capitals, Val do Amanhissa. Amanhissa? No, that sounded French. Anyway... Killed killed it. <laughs> Shall I try again? <laughs> Val do Amansa, which translates to Sunrise Valley or Valley of the Dawn. At first sight, Sunrise Valley looks like a miniature theme park where visitors can see copies of the world's wonders without having to travel to the actual sites. Built in Planaltina, a satellite city of Brasilia, the lakeside temple complex features a pyramid, a spaceship-like temple, a six-pointed prey centre and several ellipse-shaped sculptures. While the valley's physical settings can feel disorientating, it is not accidental. Meticulously designed, it's reflective of the religion's intricate, all-compromising doctrines and beliefs, drawn from a diversity of religions and civilizations, including Christianity, Hinduism, Judaism and ancient Egypt. According to Sunrise Valley followers, extraterrestrial beings landed on Earth 32,000 years ago to advance human civilizations. The beings then returned to Earth through successive incarnations across various cultures and eras. Valley members, known as mediums, believe themselves to be the latest incarnations. They call themselves the Jaguars. Oh, that is metal. <laughs> but isn't Sunrise Valley like a brand of raisin? Yeah, I think it is actually. <laughs> With like the little maid in the picture. Yeah. yeah. It sounds very sim. It sounds like they should be selling raisins in their sundries. <laughs> Sunrise Valley was established by Neva Shave Zelaya, known as Aunt Neva, in 1959. A widow with four children, she was working as a truck driver in Brasilia, then under construction to replace Rio de Janeiro as, Bras- as Brazil's capital. There, she said, she began to experience psychic episodes which she later believed to be visits by spirits from the extraterrestrial world. Neva said she was primarily guided by Pai Satabranca, or Father White Arrow, a spirit emissary who is depicted in statues and drawings today as a native South American leader. Brazilian photographer Guy Chris was drawn to Sunrise Valley because of its fantastical origin story and the medium's colourful, lavish garbs, He documented an array of rituals, some of them involving long hours of chanting while encircling the lake. Two mediums usually work in pairs during the rituals, and a para, or reception medium, has the job of physically incorporating a spirit, be it benign or troubled, and an indoctrinator medium takes on the task of teaching the spirit and helping repel it back to the spiritual world. Followers believe the rituals also help mediums atone the karmic depths from their past lives. A believer of 
Umbanda, a spiritual Afro-Brazilian religion, Christ felt struck by an indescribable energy while photographing the rituals. I've seen many religions in Africa, Asia and in Brazil, but this is the first time I feel I was connected to something, he says. I needed to get out of the temple because I was feeling dizzy. Sunrise Valley is one of Brazil's fastest growing religious movements, claiming 800,000 followers and 600 affiliated temples globally. According to Kelly Hayes, Associate Professor of Religious Studies at Indiana University, still mainstream society and religious communities in Brazil often shun Sunrise Valley, categorising them and other spiritualist groups as cults. Tension is especially rife between Valley members and the evangelicals who have built churches near the community, targeting members for conversion. The evangelicals believe Valley members are under the influence of the devil. Instead of dismissing the Valley as an innocuous cult, people should consider it in the context of its foundation, Hay says. Established in the 1950s, the religion was popular among poor farmers and migrants who came out to help. Brasilia at the time signified Brazil leaping into the modern world and becoming a modern nation. But the hyper-organised concrete city turned out to be a hostile dystopia, plagued by overcrowding and crime. The spiritual healing of the valley offers therapeutic services for some of Brasilia's discontent souls. A lot of it's about re-narrating your life, Hayes explains. Those narratives give lots of people a sense that they have some control over their lives, that justice and equality are possible through your work. So I appreciate that doesn't sound that funny. The reason that I found this cult a bit funny is um, so the part that's known as like the theme park has right. like a big spaceship in yeah. and all of their rituals go around the spaceship. They and dance around it like yeah, a maypole. Yeah, and they like highly believe that the cult kind of started and that it wasn't humans that put that theme park there. Which is why I thought it was a little bit That's funny. That's pretty cool. But yeah. they're just like a load of hippies, essentially. Yeah, they are, basically. It's like a... It's quite fun. It's quite, like... Yeah. Not, it's nice, you know? It's not... There's no sense of menace until they eventually all circle around that UFO and uh, <laughs> slit their throats. Yeah, so far that hasn't happened, so it's quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll revisit this cult in a few years' time. When their garbs are even more colourful. Are you ready for the last one? We got we got one more left. Yeah. Because you mentioned about deaths earlier, and we haven't had a death yet, so I'm guessing this is going to be the. Uh... Yeah, but kind of potentially not what you think it is. Oh, okay. This is um the coconut cult. <laughs> the coconut cult. I remember you messaged me about the coconut cult, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> so I've absolutely no idea what this is. Here we go. The Sanskrit name for the coconut tree is Kalpa Vrishkna, or tree which gives all that is necessary for living. In the early 20th century, a 26-year-old German named August Elgenhard took that idea literally. He set out to build a utopian sun-worshipping sect where members would eat nothing and absolutely nothing but coconuts. The Germans setting out to make more uh, utopian societies. Oh, it's not going to get that dark. <laughs> well, no, not when it starts with the coconut. Born in 1875, Engelhardt was a dissatisfied chemist, uh, sorry, chemistry and physics university student who subsequently became a pharmacy assistant. 
There, he became deeply engrossed in the popular life reform movement that rejected Germany's ever-advancing industrialism, embracing back-to-nature ideals such as alternative medicine, raw food, sexual liberation and the rejection of mind-altering substances and vaccines. He had a very long beard and didn't wear many clothes, but attributes cast him as a hippie of sorts in an ultra-stodgy European society. He spoke publicly of his beliefs, for which he was roundly ridiculed, but still he remained undeterred in his spiritual and nu- nutritional quest. He became cuckoo for coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> this guy seems really fun. Did he walk around with like coconuts on his feet so he was like <laughs> clopping? No. <laughs> In 1898, he co-authored a book with the unwieldy title of... Right, are you ready for this? This is the book, the title of the book. I love old book titles, go on. A Carefree Future, The New Gospel, Glimpse into the Depth and Distance for the Selection of Mankind, for the Reflection of All, for Consideration and Stimulation. There we go, that's the title. Well, like if you think about it, back in the day, like books didn't have covers and everything, so you literally had to judge a book by its like titles. They had to be really descriptive. So this book was packed with lifestyle ideas and even poems with titles like Mother Coconut, The Coconut (laughs) Spirit, and of course, How to Become a Coconut. (laughs) (laughs) He hoped to attract like-minded vegetarians to join him in an escape to the South Pacific, far from the reach of their restrictive homeland. Thanks to a substantial inheritance, Engelhart had the means to pursue his coconut craze dreams. He bought 185 acres on Cabocon, a small sparsely populated island located between what is now Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands. Would have been a bastard if he bought an island that didn't have any coconuts. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> All I can think of is the blooming episode of Mighty Boosh when <laughs> he makes Milky Joe. Yeah. <laughs> he took along his library of 1,200 books, discarded all clothing and began living in a simple hut. He purchased, of course, a coconut and banana plantation, one that never really made any money. Engelhart was certain that the bright tropical sun hanging overhead was the life source of the universe and that in doing away with clothing, he was bringing himself closer to the healthy living. He was convinced that the brain, being closest to the sun, was humankind's most important organ, elevated above the dark recesses of the gut. And because coconuts had a passing resemblance to the human head, and gave at the tippy tops of sun-loving trees, sorry, and grew at the tippy tops of sun-loving trees. He believed that these nuts were the grandest of all of Earth's harvests, containing everything that the body required for nourishment. So that is all he ate. I do like a coconut. I like a bounty. Oh, I don't like bounty. Coconut doesn't belong with chocolate. I will clear the bounties in a box of celebrations, so Mm, I'm like the unusual one. Yeah, same. I like a piña colada. Piña? Piña. (laughs) Pina, pina colada. It's not, no, it's it's pina. If you like pina colada, yeah, well that's not as good as in the rain. <laughs> it's got a little accent above the end. Oh yeah, you are right. No fair. I like pina pina coladas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> say it right now. When I when I go abroad, I like to ingratiate myself with the locals. Like, <laughs> the one that like, comes Ola. out of the machine that you just get to walk I mean, up to. Hola, mate. <laughs> We'll have a pina oh, colada. No, pina colada. Gracious. <laughs> <laughs> While coconuts do have good amounts of fat and carbs, they are lacking in vitamins A, K, B6 and B12, as well as calcium. A cuck... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
a cup of coconut meat only has about three grams of protein or five percent of your daily requirement. I hate the phrase coconut meat. Do you want coconut flesh? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Assuming three or four cups in one coconut, Engelhart would have had to eat more than 14 coconuts a day to get enough protein for his five foot eight inch frame. Oh, what was his shits like? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lethal. Fresh. <laughs> a bit hard work, to be fair. <laughs> Not knowing such mundane nutritional data would have... Would have deterred Engelhart. He held that man was a tropical animal, not intended to live in caves called houses, but to wander as Adam did, with the sun beating upon him all day and the dews of heaven for a mantle at night. Explained a 1905 New York Times story, sensationally titled Failure of a Womanless Eden in the Pacific, a strange story from the South Seas, Engelhart believed that living such a life would in time render a man so immune that sickness could be overcome and he would conquer death. And be as gods. Hell is other people. Engelhart's self-created cult was called... Right. Son Nen Orden. Son and Orden. Which just means Order of the Sun. And he wrote letters that ultimately convinced about 15 people to join him at his sun-soaked paradise. Don't fear malaria, he wrote to his prospects. The warmth of the sun and the curative powers of the coconut will heal whatever ails you. I see, I would have called it the coca cult. Coca cult, Or yeah. the coconut. 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 I like coconut more. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Come and join my coconut. <laughs> Two of these converts were particularly noteworthy. One was Henrik Ukins, a 24-year-old vegetarian smitten with Engelhurt's extreme lifestyle. The other was Max Lautz, once the conductor and a player in a well-regulated orchestra of Berlin. Ukins Do you in the coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> he does now. Ukins enthusiastically plunged into the sun-washing coconuttiness, oh, <laughs> but his constitution wasn't able to withstand the abrupt physical changes. Within weeks, he dropped dead. <laughs> Why? Six other followers. Why? Because all he was eating was blimmin' coconut. <laughs> the six other followers were appalled but carried on. Lutzow, on the other hand, got on famously with the island's leader, but for one detail, he'd brought along his music collection and often played pieces that grated on Engelhardt's nerves. After one coral, Lutzow wounded up stranded on a mission boat far from shore. And since there was no fresh fruit on board, he refused to eat. By the time he returned to land, he was feverish beyond repair, perishing under the hot sun. Can you imagine this, like, small tropical island? There's a cult of people loving coconuts. And there's this guy that's blasting, because this was the early 1900s, this German classical music. So it would have been quite aggressive <laughs> German music while everyone's sitting there <laughs> sipping coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this is the sad bit. Okay. Other group members met their ends through sunstrike, drownings and, of course, malaria because the sun most definitely did not serve as an adequate substitute for medicine. In a bit of irony, at least one cultist died after being struck by a falling coconut. <laughs> God really smited him. <laughs> Those who didn't perish fled the island, leaving their leader to a solitary existence. The German government, aware of Enhart's lunacy, actively forbade other wayward youth from similarly grim endings. 
Engelhart himself continued, certain that his followers died simply because they cheated on their mono-coconut diet, <laughs> polluting their bodies with impurities Not and bananas. poisons from other food sources. But his health too was failing. Photographs, some taken by tourists who went out of their way to visit the solitary madman, show the sect leader as little more than a bearded bag of bones, his skin erupting in lesions and deformities, clearly demonstrating his nutritional inadequacies. Wearing a grass skirt and like a bra made out of a coconut. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking to his own Wilson that's made out of (laughs) coconuts. Made out of coconuts. (laughs) Eventually, even he was too weak to refuse modern medical care and a local doctor was able to nurse him back to health in Papua New Guinea. Engelhart rewarded his physician's efforts by escaping back to his island, managing to survive until the outbreak of World War I in 1914. The following year, he was captured as a prisoner of war, but released from camp, at least in, in part because he was so clearly mentally ill. Still, he carried on until 1919, when his body could no longer tolerate malnutrition. He died at age 44, reportedly weighing less than 70 pounds. How many he was found on the beach, surrounded by coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> he, just got, he just got coconut drunk at the ends. I reckon that might be like where the actual phrase comes of like, God, that guy's coconuts. Do you know what I've I mean? Never, or like, you're going I've cocoa. never heard that phrase Have in you my not? life. Like, coco coconuts? <laughs> no, I think you just oh, made okay. that up. Really? I've never. I've heard people like say like, "God, that guy's like." It's the same as like he's going bananas. <laughs> they weren't allowed to say that on that island. <laughs> There's my cults. I'm gonna guess that, that uh, coconut so, might have been your favourite. That was so good. <laughs> I love an alien story, but I mean, give me a man that's running a coconut cult, and I'm like on board. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like you can see a lot of his thinking, like actually being out in the sun, getting away from, you know, the industrial areas, like all of those are good ideas. And if he just hadn't have limited himself to only eating coconuts, he'd have probably been all right. But, you know, he loved the coconuts. <laughs> well, you know what? He died doing what he loved. Yeah, exactly. He found on the beach next to his coconuts. Surrounded by a pile of coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I would just get annoyed of how hard you have to work to get the coconut open. It must be That hard would be work. my undoing. Especially you're getting weaker and weaker because all you're eating is coconuts. Yeah. You think, oh, Christ, how are you getting into them? And what happens when they're like, none of the coconuts on the island are ripe? Well, I don't know. That would have been I tough I still times. can't believe that one of them died because they were hit on the head by a coconut. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> when you think how high the coconuts are up in the tree yeah like... you got well i assume they waited for most of them to fall because once they're pretty much ripe they drop don't they i bet the noise was humorous though <laughs> <laughs> like that anyway <laughs> thanks for listening to me ramble on about cults that was fun oh. something a bit different no witches no ghosts just coconut man more next week yes Next week, we're going to look at a cult in Dallas. A cult in Dallas. Mm-hmm. No coconuts. No coconuts, unfortunately. Oh. Oh, I was going to... Do you want to recommend to anyone? Have you got any coconut-loving pals? If you like a bounty. If you like, if you like a pina, pina coladas. <laughs> and if you like getting caught, caught in, in the, the rain. rain. Yeah, then you might enjoy this. <laughs> I swear you reference that song at least... I love that song, that's once why. ...once a month. <laughs> Love it. It's a brilliant song. <laughs> Rupert Holmes. My boy. Right, anyway. I always thought it was Rod Stewart. No. <laughs>
I know it's not, but I always thought it was. How dare you. Have a lovely week. <laughs> yes. And enjoy. please review, subscribe, yes. go and like five us, stars. find us on Facebook. Everything is at Highly Strange Pod. Nothing or you less can than five stars. Email us at HighlyStrangePod at gmail.com. Maybe you were in a coconut cult. We'd Maybe. love to know. If you, li- if you like a coconut, let us know. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like coconuts, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, the fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs>